Yeah, yeah. I'd say, I mean, the earliest I can remember feeling like pretty sick after eating a lot of the time. And I guess when I think about it, it probably aligned fairly closely with when I started getting bullied and stuff and, you know, what we now know about mental health and gut health, it kind of makes sense. Welcome to Allergy Proof, the podcast dedicated to helping hardworking women with health issues get through life. Hey, I'm your host, Ashley Templer, and I have more allergies and intolerances than you can count on one hand. I'm that person that BYO snacks to parties. I'm also that person who spent thousands of dollars trying to get to the bottom of my symptoms. From running my own social media agency, Pep Creative, and skincare brand, Yours Only, I know a thing or two about navigating a very busy schedule with ongoing health issues. Join me as I give you my tips, interview your fave biz women and health specialists to help you solve and manage your autoimmune conditions or allergies. Want to hear more about my story? Head to yoursonly.co forward slash about where you can also pick up some very allergy friendly products. Hello, I hope you're all having a lovely week. And for those who are in Melbourne, I really feel you. I hope you're coping in stage four restrictions. I feel like we are so close to the end, but who knows when we'll get back into a little bit of normalcy. We'll see. But I did want to introduce you to today's guest. Her name is Beck Mitchell, and she is based out of Sydney, Australia. And she's probably one of the first adults that I have met who completely understands what it's like to grow up with allergies and intolerances. I've definitely mentioned this on other podcasts that I didn't really know that many people that grew up with them when I was a kid in the 90s. So she kind of really understood what it was like just growing up with them and no one really understanding and how it affects you from being a child all the way up to adulthood. I just found her to be a really nice breath of fresh air as she just looks at everything in such a positive light and I'm sure you'll agree. She was a practicing and qualified physio for seven long years before she decided to jump ship and work as a corporate and well-being speaker and consultant. So she now uses evidence-based well-being strategies for happiness and productivity. And now she has completed certifications in meditation, Pilates, and nutrition. And on top of all of that, she is also currently completing her master of psychology and neuroscience. I just feel tired listening to that. I hope you love listening to Beck as much as I did, because she really speaks about the connection between the mind and the gut. And I have been focusing a lot on that at the minute. So I love the fact that she has brought this on into her life after her long-winded health journey. So enjoy. Hi, Beck. Thank you for joining me today. How are you? I'm really well. Thank you so much for having me, Ash. No problem. So I have only learned a little bit about you because I was recommended to you by my dietitian, Chloe McLeod. Um, So how do you know Chloe? So I met Chloe um, when I moved to Sydney, probably, I can't even think, three years ago now, when I was I was just Googling for a dietitian um, because I'd had one in Melbourne and then hadn't seen one in a few years and felt like it was time to start my journey trying to look after my gut issues again. Um, and I found her through like a lot of searching through different websites and social media and stuff. Yeah, she's very good on Instagram, definitely. Yeah, no, she's really one of those, I felt like just looking at her face made me feel kind of comforted and like she would be really not judgmental about anything. <laughs> yes, which is exactly what she is. Yeah. So I start all of my podcasts by asking people what you were like growing up because I definitely feel like it tells your story when it comes to your health journey. So what were you like when you were a little kid? 
Yeah, well, I, I had a pretty, I feel like a pretty standard, like suburban Australian kid upbringing, but I was like a super nerdy, anxious, shy child. And I think when I look back on it, it kind of explains a lot of my journey because, you know, I've had to, I guess, work through a lot of that and also probably explained why I had some stomach issues and stuff from a pretty young age now that I look back on what I understand a bit more about gut health and stuff now. Um, yeah, and I was just like loved reading. I was super into like philosophy and Greek mythology and all of the things that make you really popular at school. <laughs> so I got bullied quite a bit because it's not like the cool things um, to get excited about. But I was lucky enough to get to move to a girls' school when I was in year four, and then like I feel feel like I kind of fell into myself a lot more after that because it was like people who were a bit more similar to me. Yeah. What made you move? Um, it was just because I was being bullied I think so I got like really badly bullied and I lost heaps of weight because I was like not eating my lunch because I had to hide in the toilets at lunchtime and didn't eat anything and so mum and dad were like that's it we're gonna I went to the principal I remember and sat down and told her what had been happening and she was like well I know those children very well and I know that you're lying to me (laughs) and so I think that was the that that was kind of it for mum and dad and they were like I don't think this school is for you and so yeah I was lucky the next really nurturing and great so that made a big impact on my life path I think. Yeah I feel like even that happening at that young age what happens around then really sets you up for the rest of your life which sucks because like that's the pivotal time where you should be hanging out with friends and not feeling anxious at all. Yeah yeah I think it's one of those things that I look back and I'm I'm glad in a way that it happened because now when I meet people who feel like that as an adult I really understand what it's like and I know what it's like to not feel like you've got people to connect with or people to share how you're feeling and so I think as a particularly working as a health professional later on it really it really was quite helpful. Yeah that's good I think that's a good way to look at it because some people would just say that it was negative and it would really affect their life but at least now you can kind of look at people and go okay I understand why you're feeling like that because I've been in that position too. Totally yeah. 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 Do you think that kind of led you to what you ended up studying at school? Um, I don't know. I often look back on why I decided to do physio and really have no idea. I don't think it was the right choice for me. And I think really it was part of it was, you know, that I did want to help people. And I got really, I'm not sure if you've heard of, there's a philosopher called Peter Singer. I don't know if you've heard of him. He's an Australian philosopher and he's like really big on this idea of effective altruism. So like using your skills to do whatever you can to help the world. So when I was in year 12, I got really into reading all of his work. And so that kind of (laughs) was what led me weirdly into like physio, although being a very not sporty person, it was in hindsight, probably not the best choice, but yeah, it got me. That was so funny. Yeah. Yeah, true. Where did you study it? Uh, Melbourne Uni. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. So you kind of just felt like it was the right thing at the time, but what about when you were in the course? Yeah, I think probably after the first week, I was like, this is clearly was a bad choice. (laughs) Um, But then I guess part of me was always like, you know, maybe this will turn me into that cool person that I've (laughs) never been. And yeah, so I guess I was like, maybe I'll become like sporty and athletic because I know all of this great information about how to be fit and healthy. And you know, and part of me, I've never wanted to be a quitter. So I guess once you start something, you kind of think, well, I can't quit now. So I pushed on through and then I was a physio, but working mostly with sports um, people for seven years and kept pushing through despite really not loving it. And then three years ago, finally realized it was time to let that go. (laughs) That is hilarious. I mean, it's good that you're not a quitter, I guess. So then when you decided to change, what happened? Was there like a pivotal moment where you were like, okay, I need something new? 
Yeah, I think I think I just got to the point where I was going into work every day. And I remember like driving there thinking in my head, like, I hate my life. I hate my life, <laughs> which is clearly like, and I've always been someone I've meditated my whole life, basically. You know, I had a brief period where I was like really into Buddhism. So I'm very much into like positivity and mental well-being. And I guess it got to the point where I was like, this is probably not doing my mental health any good. And also I just felt like I wasn't giving myself to my patients as much as I would like to be. Yeah. Yeah, that's fair. So then what are you, you're still studying now, aren't you? So I, yeah, I just went back this year to do my master's of psychology and neuroscience. Um, but I basically kind of took the leap into the corporate wellbeing world three years ago by, I first of all went and worked for a sort of a company that does a lot of the health and safety type stuff, which I'd lasted about six months and then like left very quickly. Um, from that job because it was just a lot of paperwork and it was just not my cup of tea. But that was really what taught me about the corporate industry and I, I guess that got my foot in the door and like, helped me figure what what path I wanted to go down. Yeah, okay. So if we backtrack to after you decided you wanted to move into the health and wellness space and then that job, where did you go after that? So I quit that job and my, my best friend from that job and I were like quit basically on the same day and like headed out the door and decided to start our own businesses, um, not realising that obviously it, it is more challenging than it probably appears in the movies and the books. We like read all the entrepreneurial books and we're like, yeah, we've got this, had our plan in place and very quickly realised we weren't going to make money very quickly. So we went both went back and worked part-time as physios like in the evenings and stuff while we were trying to build the business. And then my friend ended up moving overseas. So I've sort of um, taken over or kept going with it since then and um, done a bit of work for another company in the meantime that um, helped teach me a bit more about corporate wellbeing. But primarily for the last few years, I've, I've mostly run my own business. That's fun. Tell us about that business then. So I go into corporate groups and I educate them about evidence-based well-being and trying to stick to my, I always make sure I stay in my lane is probably one of the patterns of my life. So I, I speak mostly, I'm a meditation teacher, so I cover that, but then I talk a lot about, you know, physio-based physical fitness, um, ergonomics, and now I'm aiming to get more into the mental well-being space, which is why I'm studying psychology as well. That's amazing. I feel like you'll help so many people by doing that because you have such different and broad experience. Yeah, I think the cool thing and why I love corporate health, which I think a lot of people are like, oh, you people go into that because of the money. And I can assure you, it's definitely not why people go into it. <laughs> but really, it's the fact that you get access to these people who otherwise wouldn't seek out health advice, I think. So, you know, normally you've got to rely on someone booking an appointment with their GP or listening to a podcast or reading the book. But these are the people who, you know, they're accountants or they're engineers and they just don't really care less or have never really thought to try and learn about the science behind well-being and what they could be doing to feel better and so you get this opportunity where they're forced to sit in front of you and I think that's a real privilege yeah. for them to get that chance yeah definitely have you got any good success stories from meeting all of those different people yeah, I think like the loveliest thing, you know, I don't have a big social media following, but I find a lot of them will follow me afterwards and then keep me updated. And I just love, I've got a few people who each day, particularly people in Melbourne in lockdown will send me a message with the number of steps they've done that day and say, look back, I'm like doing a really great job or I've like worked, been working on my sleep habits and I've improved my sleep over the last week. And that just makes me so happy. It's like my favorite thing to receive in the day. That's so nice. And Instagram helps so much to connect with people about that kind of stuff now. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And then when you finish uni, what's your plan? 
I think I just want to keep doing what I'm doing, but I want to incorporate more of the mental well-being. And I'm already learning so much. Yeah. It's so it's just kind of I'm able to apply it immediately, which is really cool. I think it's that's one of the best ways to study is if you're already working in the industry and you can immediately be using everything that you're learning. Oh my god, 100. percent And then I guess we're really here to talk about your health journey and all about how you've kind of dealt with it and what's kind of happened to your body since I would say since you were a little kid. So you had allergies from when you were basically a little kid, didn't you? Yeah, yeah. I'd say, I mean, the earliest I can remember feeling like pretty sick after eating a lot of the time. And I guess when I think about it, it probably aligned fairly closely with when I started getting bullied and stuff and, you know, what we now know about mental health and gut health, it kind of makes sense. But my whole family have, you know, various different gut health issues. So I think it probably is a little bit genetic too. Preaching to the choir over here. I completely understand. Yeah. Um, and then when you were younger, what kind of diet were you on? So I think, you know, probably pretty standard meat and veg situation. And I remember like the one thing that always made me really sick was spaghetti bolognese. And so I think for a while, mum put me on like gluten-free diet for a little bit to figure out if that helped. Like then put me on soy milk and I guess like, you know, things would help a little bit but never seemed to make much difference. Like I was always still pretty sick most of the time and couldn't put on weight. I was like this like really malnourished, like skinny little kid. Oh, cute. <laughs> and then you ended up finding the FODMAP diet at some point, didn't you? Yeah, so not until I was probably like 20 or something, I think, maybe early 20s. And I went and booked in with like the Shepherd Works crew in in Melbourne oh I've been there yeah yeah who who were really good and I do think you know it's probably similar to a lot of physio techniques it's like one tool in a whole bunch of different things that is quite evidence-based you know the research coming out of Monash Uni is pretty promising in terms of low FODMAPs but I think at that stage I kind of thought that was the only option and so I stuck to that figured out you know it was fructans and sorbitols that were the big problem for me but I still was never really 100% so I guess like I probably lasted with that for like I think I was on it for like a couple of years where I I sort of introduced stuff back in but then was like I'm still sick all the time and that's when I went through my like dodgy dark period of like going to the alternative medicine side which I always laugh at now because you know I'm very much about evidence-based practice and doing things that are you know there's obviously a role for eastern medicine and all these other things that don't have as much evidence behind them but for something that's causing a big impact on your life you want to ideally try and stick to medical professionals um so yeah what did you try I did um colonic irrigation once which was the most horrifying experience of my life and I think back now I'm like what on earth was I thinking but I think you just get so desperate and you're like there's like you know the medical system was failing me I guess you know how people would would talk about it to me when they came into me as as a physio and so I went to this place that called themselves like a colon spa in the beautiful suburb of Brighton and it was like this beautiful luxurious environment you swan on in they give you a tea and talk you through this lovely cleansing process and I don't I do recall googling like evidence-based research and there being nothing and there was mention of perforated bowels but I was just so desperate I was like I would literally do anything to not be feeling like this all the time and I did it and like Obviously, it was a horrible experience. I will never do it again. And I would highly recommend, like, definitely not recommend anyone ever try it because it's, you know, the evidence behind it is zero and it's also quite dangerous. But that was like one of the many things. Like, I tried raw food diets with some raw food technician lady. I did acupuncture, like, you name it, I tried it. Yeah, wow. Even with the spa, 
as soon as I hear that, that just makes me think that your microbiome will just get like destroyed. destroyed. Yeah, your gut will just hate you for at least six months. Yeah. But you don't, I agree, you don't think about that at the time because I've been through the exact same thing as you. Like I went on the FODMAP diet and I still didn't feel great and I was like I will literally try anything anyone throws at me. Yeah. Um, I did have a friend tell me about another friend who had a, um, a fecal transplant. Have you heard about that before? I have, although that seems to maybe have, I mean, not it's way too early stages, but it sounds like there might be a bit more promising research coming out about that compared to like just yeah. out your entire digestive system. But obviously way too early stages to be doing that just as like a fun thing on the side. Yeah, yeah. I I asked Chloe about it and she said there's not that much evidence around it. Um, yeah. But I have a friend of a friend who had it. I don't know her personally. And apparently all of her allergies went away, but I don't think it's permanent. And it's a big thing to go through as a risk as well. Yeah, and just like really placebo effect is the most, one of the most powerful treatments on earth. And I think if you are desperate enough and something sounds really gimmicky and cool, you're kind of like, I guess maybe that did work and I feel really calm as a result of it. So you get benefits even though there was really nothing. Oh my gosh. So true. So then when you moved to Sydney, you were still having symptoms, weren't you? Yeah. And I started also getting like weird skin stuff around that time. Like I would call it my puffy eye disease where I'd wake up some mornings, particularly after Asian food or wine. And I'd have like these swollen red eyes that would then take like a week to go down. Like I tried cortisone cream and everything. And like, that would just make it look worse and wrinkly. I felt like I was getting like premature aging from like applying all these like dodgy products to my eyes um so that's yeah that's when I was like okay I'm gonna try someone else and give it a crack and I was lucky that I picked a good one. Oh, you're so lucky and then when you saw Chloe what was your process so I well first of all I was like telling her my long laborious story and I think when I said like that Asian food and the wine were like big triggers she kind of her eyes lit up and she was like oh I think that this could be something else and I was like oh please god let you have the answer this is really exciting Um, and yeah, so that was then, I then started the like elimination diet for that and I'm probably the world's worst patient. So I didn't, I wasn't as good at it as I, as I should have been. No, I actually am the world's worst patient. And I said this to Chloe too. She's like, have you reintroduced this week? And I'm like, no, I didn't. I'm sorry. I didn't do it. I think with some stuff, like, you know, I found it quite scary, particularly things like I know if I eat, say, McDonald's, I like have a migraine for the next three days and I'm like an absolute mess because there's just like this cocktail of extravaganza chemicals in that food. And so preservatives, when, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And so then when, I, when she was like, try, like, I think it was like hot chips or something. It was one of the from McDonald's. I was like, I just don't think I can do that. Like it's horrifying. I'm just thinking about it. When she told me to do that, she was like, you'll have to go to McDonald's two days in a row. And I was like, I feel like my parents actually never took me to McDonald's ever. So for me to go to McDonald's twice in a week was such a treat. And then I felt really bad afterwards, but it was nice at the time. (laughs) It's it's always nice at the time, isn't it? You're like, just stuff it. I'm just going to go for it. And then afterwards it's not so fun I know did you have to try the 90% cacao chocolate yeah which so I in one of my many um attempts at improving my own health I went on a sugar-free diet a while ago and started a blog about it got really into it for about a year Oh no! simultaneously became the most boring personal lives all I spoke about was <laughs> the benefits of not eating sugar which again not evidence-based um so yes I had already tried it and I'd even tried 100% cacao which I wouldn't recommend um and I actually don't I don't mind it I guess because I went through that period of like eating zero yeah okay yeah I um 
dry reached at the even before it even went in my mouth when I was having it I just couldn't do it and I remember I had to do it with like two um extra ripe bananas did you do that Uh, as well yeah and I think for someone who's been low FODMAP for years that's horrifying in itself like I was like oh yeah I can't even smell it without feeling sick I know I know so funny and then so what did you react to out of all of the um various chemicals so the worst despite me I actually texted Chloe this morning and said I need to come back and like finish my reintroduction phase I was inspired by this chat so thank you um but my words are definitely MSG um and sulfites and I think like those more like additives like antioxidants and stuff all of those ones seem to be the worst for me yeah they were they would have been the ones that gave you your eye situation yes definitely yeah MSG like just absolutely makes me crazy like I remember having it once I was in Vietnam with an ex-boyfriend on Christmas Eve and we went to this like, you know, side of the road, fun times place, got fried rice. I was like, God, this is literally the most delicious fried rice I've ever had in my life. How does it taste so good? And then like that night I was in bed, measured my bolt rate, it was 180 feet per minute lying down. And I'm like, I'm going to have a heart attack. And we're in Thailand. I don't know, like the hospital system's probably not great here. And for two days I didn't sleep because of like, obviously the quantity of MSG and it was just so high yeah wow yeah msg really gets you did you not react to msg as a kid i i guess we didn't have it as a kid like i really we didn't eat a lot of takeaway like we would only ever get fish and chips i just don't think i was exposed to yeah yeah me too if i got it randomly at like a takeaway place I remember my parents said I just was like bouncing off the walls. I would just go crazy. I would just be like, can I play this? Can I play this? Can I do this? And they'd be like, whoa, you're not going to have MSG ever again. I just don't, I don't think my parents would have even known what MSG was or had any awareness of that sort of stuff. Like it was really, I remember mum like learning about gluten-free and it was like, oh, we should try this because maybe this is the solution. But other than that, (laughs) there was not much knowledge in our house around that stuff. I don't think there was that much knowledge at all, to be honest, from when we were younger. Like I had a lot of it because for me, I had lots of issues growing up, but no one else around really understood it. My parents were still learning all about it. But now it's like everybody knows about it. Yeah. But it was like gluten and then it was fructose and now it's getting to the chemicals. So it's like what's going to be the next thing to add to that list I know. as time goes on? I mean, lucky you didn't grow up in like China in like a Chinese restaurant or something and they would have thought you had ADHD or something probably. You think about it. 100%. Yeah. But then you look at um, the the allergies around the world and there's hardly any yeah. in China or anywhere around there. So it's interesting. It is And there's a lot in Australia. Yeah. Mm. So what's your diet like now? I try, I mean, because I try and balance, you know, being chill about things with trying to optimize <laughs> my well-being, I try not to be super strict. So I will still go out for dinner and try and be relatively relaxed, um, you know, other than just not going to dodgy Chinese restaurants that are likely to have MSG in them. And I don't drink very much wine anymore but otherwise I'm you know I have a really healthy diet I guess because it's important to me and I eat lots of veggies and mostly plant-based foods I eat a little bit of meat and a little bit of dairy here and there but so I, I focus on not being super strict but adding in the good things and I guess making sure that most of the time I stay low on those like additives and preservatives so that when I do go out I'm not already at that kind of high level and I can tolerate usually one meal out feeling like a little bit gross the next day, but I won't have like a full flare up of my 
dodgy puffy eye syndrome thing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I understand. And then in terms of the salicylates and amines, were you okay with those? I think amines were a bit more of a problem for me, but salicylates seemed to be okay in the quantities that I tested. But I do need to like do a better job of the reintroduction of that stuff. Yeah. Like yeah. That wasn't great at it. I just really hate restrictive diets. I'm just like more not morally, but like I guess from a mental health perspective, I'm really against like cutting stuff out. I just hate it. So I don't know, but I do need to go back and do that properly. Yeah, no, I understand. So then in terms of your overall health now, do you feel like you're in a good position in terms of your gut and your mind? Yeah, I think I'm like much better than I ever was certainly as a kid or a teenager and I feel like I just am armed now with the knowledge where like I do you know have flare-ups where I don't feel great but I know why it's happened at least and I know what I need to do to get myself back on track and I think that's really the key where if you've got health professionals around you or you can educate yourself that you feel like you've got more efficacy that's where you kind of start to feel a lot more comfortable about these things I think. Yeah, I think when you know where it's coming from, it makes so much more sense to you and you're less stressed about it. If you keep feeling sick and you can't work out why, I think that makes you more sick because you're so stressed and you can't work it out, definitely. And it's hard. You see people, like I would see people as a physio who would come to me and they've seen like 30 different physios, I've seen chiros, I've seen Reiki therapists, you know, and it gets like it's expensive, which is stressful, but it's also time-consuming. They don't have time to like exercise because they're too busy attending appointments. Yeah. So I totally agree with you. Oh, for sure. And then did you find all of these health issues and gut problems like affected your work? Yeah, I guess so. I remember it being pretty like tricky, you know, as a physio, you're standing up all day and it can be fairly challenging if you've got stomach issues. And I remember at times like I would like just get where I was so like doubled over in pain that I couldn't function and having to be in the middle of running a Pilates class with four people and be like, will be a minute. I'm just going to rush out. And I'd like run out and be like crippled over in pain. And so, yeah, like it was hard, but I think when you're used to it, as like most people are with these sorts of things, you kind of like, this is just me. And it's not something that I ever thought too much about fixing for a long time, I guess. I was like, well, I guess this is, there's no solution here. So I'm just going to have to live with this. Isn't that the worst? The thought that you go, okay, this is just my life. I'll just have this stomach ache and that's normal. Yeah. And it's not normal. No, and I, it's so easy just to be like, oh, it's too hard. I'll look into it when I'm less busy. Yeah. But you're always busy. I know. Yeah. And I think like I remember thinking about like picking jobs based on like whether or not I would have like breaks enough that I, in case I was feeling sick, that I'd be able to cope or like I wouldn't choose to work for a football team because I was like nervous because that was like a more confronting environment if I did need to race off I think like it definitely affects your career choices too because you're constantly having to think like oh what if I do get sick like I won't be able to cope which isn't ideal yeah no that's so crazy to think that do you pick your entire schedule based off the fact that you'll be feeling sick but maybe feeling sick yeah and I think a lot of people are like that like I know people with back pain that probably could have been fixed with better treatment but they've seen some dodgy health professional years ago who's told them that they can't ever sit again or something and so then they literally choose a career path based on a job where they can stand all day and you're like this is horrible like if this had been managed better you would just be living a normal life and getting to follow your goals and you know your dreams and what have you. 
Yeah. And then when you do get your flare-ups, what do you find helps the most? I just tend to drink a lot of water. I exercise and I think that's been one of the biggest things for me. And I think, you know, we now know that the connection between exercise and mental well-being is so strong, but then also exercise and gut health. And so I pretty much, you know, have to exercise, I would say, every morning. And if I don't, I do notice that I'm more likely to be a bit irritated. So if I have a night where we go out for dinner a couple of nights in a row, then I've got to make sure that I get up and like go for a jog or do some yoga or something. And getting my body moving makes a really big difference, I find. And then just getting back onto eating like a bit more of a gentle diet for a few days. So I've always got stuff ready to go in the freezer so that I've got like, you know, some like stir fries and stuff that I put together that I know are nice and like I hate the word clean. I don't want to use that word, but like lower in those things that I know that flare me up. And that way I know I can just settle it down and I'll be okay again after a few days. Yeah. That's good. Planning is such key when you've got intolerances. If you're not prepared, then you're just in for hell really, because you just need to make sure that you've got everything set up. Um, And then obviously you are a meditation teacher. So do you find that meditation practice helps you a lot? Yeah. I just think it helps on a lot of levels. Like obviously, firstly, it keeps you calmer, which we know is good for our gut health, but also from the perspective of being more aware of your own thoughts and your own body, I think is is just so beneficial because you obviously get taught and you learn the and your brain neurology improves so that you can be more aware of what you're feeling inside yourself and how you react to certain situations. And so I think through the practice of meditation, I'm just much more conscious of, you know, when I exercise, yes, I do feel better afterwards. Because I think for those of us who are, are quite mindful and and self-aware it seems obvious but a lot of people just go through life being like oh sometimes I feel really sick but I don't really know why or I haven't ever noticed what the connection there was and I think the practice of mindfulness is really beneficial with that process. I completely agree and some people and I'm definitely falling into this category a lot just say oh I'm too busy I don't have time it's stressful I don't really know what I have to do for meditation. What do you teach those people? I, I think that's probably my key audience because corporates are generally have that attitude, I would say. And the, the main thing is it's not something that you have to be good at. I think often people try it once and they're like, my brain's too busy. I'm really crappy at this. I'm not going to do it. And it's not at all to do with how well you can focus your mind. It's much more about your ability to just carve out that five or 10 minutes each day to sit still. And if your mind drifts off for 95% of the time, but just once during that session, you manage to notice that it's drifted off and then bring your attention back to what it is you're wishing to focus on, whether that's the breath or a body scan or a guided meditation, then that's a successful meditation because that's starting to teach your brain that ability to notice what you're thinking and then choose what you wish to focus on. Yeah. And it's so powerful. And I wish I knew all about this when I had all of my gut symptoms when I was younger. It would have just made so much more sense to me Yeah. because I'm still learning that a lot of stomach issues can come from stress. I'm one that internalizes a lot of stress rather than externalizes it. So I guess I may be very cool, calm and collected, but inside I'm like, why did that person not do that? Why is this happening like this? Why can't I get to the train station on time? Yeah. And even little things like that can cause flare-ups, but you don't realize that that could cause a flare up the next day and you would correlate that to maybe you accidentally had something that you couldn't have in a stir fry, you know, like a bit of onion fell in there or something and you can't really work out the correlation between the two. Yeah, and I think one of the big, that's so common and one of the big things that people 
I think can be really helpful is noticing if you're any better when you're on holidays. And often I would find, unless I was in like Asia, where I would definitely not be better. Yeah, (laughs) But anywhere else, I was always much better when I was on holidays compared to when I was at work. And so, you know, we know that that chronic low level of stress that you often aren't even really aware of because you're like, I'm a chill person. I'm all good. Like I don't get angry and ragey and I don't get like a really rushing heart rate or anything, but maybe you're just living in that kind of chronically low state of stress or anxiety. And that obviously has a big impact on our overall well-being but certainly our gut health too definitely yeah I had a specialist that said to me like you may not seem like you're stressed but she's like life's stressful going to the supermarket people being in your way is stressful if they're really annoying you and I was like yeah that makes sense but I was like but I'm not a stressed person she's like you don't have to be a stressed person to be stressed yeah yeah which is so interesting to me and very new I think for a lot of people for you it probably isn't because you've obviously been doing the wellness space quite some time but For people who are just used to seeing just really traditional kind of doctors, a lot of traditional doctors don't fall into that category until probably now, I would say. Yeah, I agree. I think most, and most people, all they ever see is a GP. And unless you're lucky enough to have one of the few GPs who's on top of this stuff and, you know, is really kept on top of the latest research, I'm fortunate that I've got one of those really amazing GPs. You, you know, most of them do just say, like, I went to a GP about my stomach issues, like in the middle of my journey, probably after I went to the colonic irrigation and realized I should head back to Western medicine. And I remember him, he was like probably a 60 year old guy and was like, okay, I think it could be, you know, probably some sort of infection and put me on antibiotics, which in hindsight, <gasps> and I told him I'd had gut issues for 15 years, like, it's probably not an infection. And we know antibiotics is like by far the worst thing that I could have been doing for my gut health at that stage. So yeah, I think a good GP is really key. Oh, I agree. I found a really good one as well. But before that, I just jumped around to just different yeah. ones Yeah, because that's just what you do. Yeah. Did you feel like you had a good support network when you were going through all these gut issues? I, I mean, I've got great family and friends and stuff, but I just think nobody knows much or no one in my network really knew much about this stuff. And even working in the health field like I still didn't feel like I guess people just don't really talk about it very much and so it's not something that you would ever realize that other people have had the same experience with and I think it was when I started working a lot with chronic pain patients I would start asking them a little bit more about gut issues because often there is a strong correlation between chronic pain and gut problems and also things like hypermobility they often have gut issues and and that's when I really realized like gosh there are so many people out there that are suffering from these things so my support support network wasn't great but I do try and talk about it a bit more now so people feel like I'm open to have that conversation and then I can obviously refer them on to the right people yeah that's good that you're aware about it I think most friends are obviously really good but no one really knows you're probably the first person that I've spoken to other than Chloe that has been through the same thing which is crazy yeah and I'm sure it is really common but probably underdiagnosed too so people don't know what it is that they're dealing with yeah yeah I totally agree do you feel like it would have been easier at the time if you knew other people that had the same intolerances like yes definitely I just think gosh when you're little you're like what is wrong with me like it's just horrible I think I remember there's photos of me where I was like a stick bug but then I had this like giant stomach and I remember mum like teasing me I was like really upset about it but you think like I guess there were other kids I'm sure having the same stuff but you just think there's something like seriously wrong with you because nobody really can define what it is. Do you find that you've become kind of like your own doctor? Like sometimes I say to people 
oh, do you react to tomato? Do you react to when you have wine? And they're like, I do. I'm like, you should definitely look into <laughs> a chemical sensitivity. And yeah. then they're like, oh, I will. But I find that as soon as you see other people with similar symptoms, you're like, I need to help this person straight away. Yeah, I think, I mean, that's becoming more and more of an issue for me. The more that I learn, I guess, like as a physio, I would have like see people with bad posture and I'd be like, we need to sort that out. Now I'm like seeing like people <laughs> with mental health issues and I'm like, oh, got to refer you on to someone who can help you. So I guess, yeah, like, but that's, a, I think, a nice quality but obviously there's the flip side of that where and you would have I'm sure experienced this too where you've got friends or connections who are saying oh my gosh you've got to try my naturopath or you've got to try my Reiki therapist and they will fix you and so it is hard for people I think to know who to listen to and that's that's where it gets really challenging because we might be saying go and see Chloe she's an amazing dietitian she's got this really evidence-based approach but then they've got another friend telling them to get colon hydrotherapy and like how do they know which is the right choice you know maybe it's just who the better salesperson was really for some people yeah yeah I've actually had so many people reach out to me recently because I have issues in a lot of different categories and they're saying these are my symptoms what do you think because I think it makes so much more sense to get a recommendation from someone who's actually seen results yeah um but I did have a friend who saw a naturopath and she really really helped her and I went and saw her too trying to think she would solve my problems they give you lots of potions with lots of natural ingredients and I was in hell like I was throwing up and I just had the worst stomach aches and she really helped my friends but yeah, it's finding the right people that yeah. suit what you need. I just, I think the difficulty can be that maybe you see a naturopath and they tell you to eat more vegetables and eat, you know, overall uh, just a more plant-based diet, which we know through evidence is like fairly good for our well-being overall. And so it's changes that aren't really necessarily related to specific advice from that naturopath, but it's just things that are like overall good health improvements. And so people think, that's the answer whereas maybe they're just getting improvements because they're cutting out some of the processed foods as a side effect of the overall general advice and I know every naturopath I ever saw just told me to go gluten-free dairy-free and for me that's not at all it so not to say I'm sure there's some really wonderful naturopaths out there but I think you know you do want to make sure that what you're doing is really um, based on evidence. Yeah and I think naturopaths definitely have a really good place and they can help a lot of people who don't have certain gut issues because they can help with so many other things in terms of um, nutrients and all of that but for some people it's just a matter of picking the right professional for what you need. Do you find that um, your personality helped you push you through all of that because I've spoken to a lot of people who have had for example like chronic fatigue and just like push through because their personality is just like a really motivated personality and they were like that from when they were a kid. Do you find that maybe from when you were a kid and you were able to push through everything, it's kind of helped you in your career now? Yeah, definitely. I think I'm a really curious person. And so if there's ever something I don't understand why something is the way that it is, I always like have to know the answer. And so I'm willing to like sift through as much reading and research as I have to, to get to the answer. And I guess I also really like to know not the truth, because I know we can't always find the truth, but I want to know the most accurate information. So I think that's been helpful. And then I guess wanting to help myself has then led me to then wanting to help other people too. And I like, I love the idea of like fixing people or problem solving things and getting to the bottom of things. That's definitely come from having health issues. That happens to me too. You just want to help other people because you're like, I found my solution, but we need to find your solution now. Okay. So my final questions that I like to ask everyone, are if you have advice for people who have unresolved symptoms. 
So I think the first thing is always to have a good cheap GP that I mentioned at the start. And I think this can take a little bit of digging to find someone and speak to lots of friends and find recommendations. And probably like often the bulk billing ones aren't necessarily as great. So if you can afford a private GP, I think often that's not a, a steadfast rule, but often they are just a slightly higher quality. Um, and having that one consistent person that can then refer you on to a gastroenterologist if that's necessary. Because um, I, I saw a gastroenterologist and I've had a couple of colonoscopies and that can be necessary. So the GP is an important pivotal middle person, I think, to make sure that you can get those medical referrals if they're needed. And then I think particularly for gut issues and a good quality dietitian. So someone with an actual degree in dietetics, not, I think that's in my opinion, preferable, um, and and find someone again that you really connect with and feel like you can kind of feel like you can speak openly with them. And sometimes people will try one person, and it's not quite right for them. And so I think always keep going and try someone else. If if and don't just give up on it altogether. Yeah, that's the key. So if you find one specialist and they're not right for you, it's so fine to go and find another one that's exactly the same but just a different person. Sometimes you just don't click with them. Yeah, for sure. And then what are your three tips to manage flare-ups when you have a busy schedule? I think I feel like I might have already talked about a lot of this, but my I guess the first one is to try and have some sort of routine where you're making sure you tick off those things that you know make a big difference to you. So I've got a really strict morning routine that I do most days. Obviously, if I'm on holiday, it's the weekend, I just chill out and don't worry too much about it. But I make sure I meditate and I exercise every morning and that's just non-negotiable. So even if I get busy, I'll cancel other plans over letting those things go because I know that I need them to keep myself well. Um, the second one is just lots of water. I'm really big on being hydrated and I find that makes a big difference to me. And then the third one is, like you said before, be prepared. So I've always got stuff ready to go in the freezer. And if I'm cooking a big healthy meal of stuff that I know doesn't flare me up, then I'll like cook extra of it, freeze it. I make sure there's always some healthy snacks in the house. And I always eat before I go somewhere if I know there's not going to be an option there for me. Um, but this is four tips, sorry. But the last one is also to be super intense about it because I think we can get a bit too strict. And I think it's also important to be relaxed and to live our lives because, you know, obviously given that connection with mental health, if we're too obsessive over the strict um, nutrition issues, I think that can then just feed into this feeling of stress and anxiety. Yeah, for sure. 100%. So then if people want to find you, where can they find you? Well, I do most of my stuff on LinkedIn, which is the coolest social media platform going around. <laughs> um, so I'm Beck Mitchell on there or I'm at Beck Mitchell on Instagram. Amazing. Well, thank you so much for sharing your story. I think a lot of people will definitely benefit from hearing it. Thank you for having me. I feel like we had a lot in common there. So it's great. It's nice to hear that I'm not the only one. Yes. And I um, just love being able to meet other people that have been through the same thing. That's definitely what this platform's for. So thank yeah. you. Thank you for having me. Thanks for listening to this episode of Allergy Proof. If you know someone who would benefit from listening to this podcast, please send this episode their way. I'm here to help women thrive in life with all of their health issues because I am living proof. Make sure you hit the subscribe button in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts so you can listen to our latest apps, which go live weekly. This is a totally independent podcast, so I really do rely on subscribes, reviews, and word of mouth to spread the word. You can also find some more helpful tips on Instagram at yoursonlyco and more from me, your host, at Ashley Templer, spelled A-S-H-L-I. Catch you next time.